Hi there. Welcome back to OMN's Coffee Shop Conversations here at World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason. I'm Tom D'Antoni trying to get over the flu or bronchitis or whatever that bug that seems to have infected everyone in town since Trump was inaugurated. My voice will be back soon. When we recorded this Coffee Shop Conversation with guitarist composer luthier Mike Doolin, I was at full strength. Mike stopped building guitars a few years ago but recently completed a new one for his wife Nancy Canescu. Why did he quit? We'll find out. He's one of the founding members of Soul Vaccination, and he plays in multiple genres and configurations. One thing we'll find out is, why does he play a seven-string guitar? Let's hear from Mike Doolin. Mike Doolin, welcome to the cupping room of uh, World Cup Coffee and Tea, our home for coffee shop conversations. Thanks very much for having me. All right. Well, uh, there's so many things to talk to you about because uh, uh, you got uh, you have a new record, you got your Solvax stuff still going on. But I saw, and thank you, by the way, once again, <laughs> for salvaging Mel Brown, the coffee shop conversation from... Uh, 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 one that was we thought was a goner. But, well, that was my pleasure to do, and, and the the great thing about it was I got to hear the interview first. Yes, <laughs> got to hear Dizzy talk about <laughs> smoking dope in Medford a long, long time ago with the kind of a naive Mel Brown. <laughs> yeah, yeah. taking my lies in their hands. Yeah, had a had a had a. A corn cob pipe full of pot, and somebody walked in the door, and Dizzy said, "Here, hold this, Mel." <laughs> I, I've, I've spent some time with Dizzy, so I, I understand that completely. <laughs> so, um, anyway, thank you very much for for taking care of that. Um, uh, so, I went into, uh, I looked on Facebook, and I thought you had stopped building guitars entirely, and I saw a picture of a new guitar that you had built, and I went, "Wow." What a beautiful guitar, and isn't it nice that he's building guitars again? Well, that's maybe going a little too far to say that I'm building guitars again. Um, I'm, I'm not I'm not back in business. I haven't started building guitars for other people other than my wife, yeah. uh, which that guitar was for. Um, but I'm, it's, it's back to being a hobby, uh, which, is, which is a good thing. Um, I had, I, I hit it really hard from about 95 to 2010, I was full-time luthier and had a, uh, towards the end there, I had a five-year wait list, so which which is good. That's what, what any small shop luthier needs. You know, that's, yeah. that's your job security. Yeah, you yeah. Wait list. Now, how many, how many years or how many months is that worth of work? Oh, it, well, it was about a guitar a month. Yeah. Or if it, if it was a harp guitar, it'd take more like two months. So, uh-huh. so let's say ten a year. So, huh. so that's you know, fifty guitars. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> 50 yeah. Instruments yeah. Oh. to build, which um, became oppressive. And it it got to the point towards the end there where I had, I had just been I'd been so blinders on nose to the grindstone. Yeah. Working on my luthery career, and mind you, I was totally into it at the time. Yeah. Know, when when I was yeah. in in the early in the midsection of all of that, I loved it. You know, I was having a great time. Uh-huh. And and I, I still love the Lutheran community. Uh, you know, 
bunch of wonderful people, and there's a lot of them here in Portland. But um, but I I burned out. Yeah. In short, and and a lot of that had to do with the fact that since I was so chained to the bench with all those uh-huh. guitars to build, I essentially was not playing playing guitar myself anymore. I really wasn't playing any music to speak of. Really. So wow. that's what finally made me crash and burn. And I, I, I uh-huh. literally, I had I had a um, an, an episode of depression where I couldn't get out of bed one day, and I, I couldn't even understand what it was. You know, I yeah. Just, I just why why do I feel so horrible? Right. You know. Yeah, and yeah. and it was actually my, my wife sat me down and and said, you know, I, I think you might want to sort of look at what you're doing with your life and <laughs> maybe get back to playing guitar every now and then. Yeah. Because you know, that's what you started out doing. And and um, well, she was right. Um, now, in interest of full disclosure, what facilitated my actually getting out of building guitars was a family inheritance. Uh-huh. So, you know, some money came in and allowed me to pursue my dreams, you know, whatever I want to do without without having to actually make a living. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and I'm obviously eternally grateful for that. I, personally... Uh, I, I think I think everybody deserves that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I wish that was how the world worked. But you know, happily, I'm, I'm the luckiest guy on earth. It worked. It happened to me. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, um, so I gently backed out of my wait list. I, you know, I built a guitar and paid off five deposits, and built another guitar and paid off five deposits, and you know, did uh-huh. that for a year. And uh-huh. and, uh, and you started. Did you start? Were you able to start playing more at that point? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, I was I was playing more as well. Yeah. Um, so, um, so that that's how I, I got out of full time Lutheran. Yeah. And by the time I did, I, I really I was burned out. I was so burned out that um, I after that really didn't set foot in the shop for about two years. And I'd go out there, you know, even to even grab a screwdriver or something, you know, to fix a door, and I no, just kind of get no, no, yeah, like, oh, yeah. no, 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 <laughs> I, I know. I, I would, I would have had no idea that I would feel that way about something that, when I was in it, I couldn't wait to get out to the shop, you know. But I don't know. Things, things change, you know. And yeah. I guess fifteen years of anything is maybe enough, except for playing music. I, you know, I've yeah. been doing that for forty-five years, and yeah. I still love it. <laughs> no, I, I understand that completely. I feel that way about Oregon music news most of the time. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Oh, no. I've been looking for a new editor for years. So. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I hardly ever write about music anymore. Mm. I I sat in here in the the other part of the coffee shop. This is where I wrote many, 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 many pieces in, in the in the coffee shop part of the coffee coffee shop, the non cupping room part of the coffee shop. And I sat here the other day and wrote a piece about James Blood Ulmer. Mm. And I went, I just actually wrote a piece about music. Now I love doing these things. I, these are great. I love this is not like this isn't writing. Well, this is sitting here and talking. Yeah. Um, and, well, I mean, which is part of my career, you know, doing, interviewing. But um, but I it was okay because you know I didn't. Uh, it, it was it was something I'd always wanted to. I'd always wanted to talk to James Blood Almer. Listening to James Blood Almer since the, since the, the mid seventies. He's been a hero of mine. Uh, I didn't know anything about him. I got to talk to him on the phone, and so it was good. But. When I came to sit down and writing the best bets of the Portland Jazz Festival, it was like, ah, I don't want to yeah. do this. I don't want to do this, but I did. I did. So, so you, but you ended up making a guitar for your wife. I did, yes. Um, before that, um, 
part of what got me back out in the shop finally was that in about 2012, I switched over to seven-string guitar. Why? And, uh, because one of the things that I got back to, particularly when I got back to playing music, was playing duos with singers. And I still do a whole lot of that. And the thing, uh, the reason for a seven-string guitar is you have an extra bass string. And so I, I tune it as George Van Epps, the father of jazz seven-string guitar, uh-huh. uh, tuned it, which is to a to an A, an uh-huh. octave below the low A on, uh-huh. on the guitar. So it's the same A string as on a bass. In effect, you have the range of the guitar and almost the whole bass as well. Uh-huh. You're only one string short yeah. of that entire range. Yeah. So for uh, doing the you know the Joe Pass walking bass and comping thing, uh-huh. all of a sudden your bass lines sound like bass lines. Oh. You know, and the singers love it. You know, I'll bet. They almost get two guys. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Uh, so so I had switched over to seven, and I had I had avoided that for many years. So I was totally aware of the seven-string thing. I'd even made one for, uh, for uh-huh. somebody as a luthier. Uh-huh. Wasn't Chasman, was it? Pardon? Wasn't Paul Chasman, was it? Cause I know no. He, no, yeah. you, you know, he, he has a, an eight-string. Oh, an eight-string, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this was for Bill Leinhardt. Uh-huh. Uh, he's, in, um, he's in southern Oregon. Uh-huh. Um, great old jazz player, amazing player. Um, anyway, so that was many years. So you ago. made one for yourself. So yeah, so I but I had I had avoid I you know I knew that obviously seven string would be the thing for uh, for duos, uh-huh. and yet I didn't want to put myself through that because and it, it was just through what. <laughs> The, the switch over was just as bad as I thought it would be. From a 6 to a 7? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you wouldn't believe how how much that challenges your brain. Really? Because, well, w- one thing is that your left hand kind of thinks of the, of the neck from the high string up, uh-huh. and your right hand approaches it the other direction from yeah. the low string down. Yeah. So if you add a string on one end... Uh-huh then the two hands are kind of going, hey, wait a minute, aren't you supposed to be down here? (laughs) (laughs) So there's that. And the number seven is very difficult for your brain to deal with. Six divides really easily into two threes or three twos. Really? And so a lot of what you do on guitar can kind of be broken down that way. Mm -hmm. It's a sort of convenient way to do it. You add just that one more string, and all of a sudden you're just looking at a sea of strings. Your brain has a hard time. Wow seeing where you are, you kind of get lost in the middle. At least this has been my experience. So, uh, you know, the conventional wisdom was all was always, oh, you know, it, it'll take you about a year and, and you'll you'll be there. And, yeah. Well, you know, in a year I was at least not screwing up too bad on the gig. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but but still, you know, when I, I tried this thing out, it was it was it was a an Eastman uh, seven string that was hanging on the wall down at Portland Music. And I'd uh-huh. go in there to buy a set of strings or something and I kinda glare at it out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> and I was like, No, I'm not going there. No. <laughs> and then one day I just I finally broke down and said, Yeah, give me that thing. And I took it in the back room and it five minutes and I was like, Oh yeah, this is the bomb. I gotta do it. Uh-huh. I just gotta do it. Yeah. So um, you know, and then and then a year of agony and then <laughs> came out the other end. Well anyway, so um, so having converted over to seven string after I retired from building Oh. So then I have a closet full of six-string guitars that I don't play anymore. <laughs> and they're, they're Not at hard. all? Pardon? Not at all? No, I, I, I really had to completely switch. I tried switching back and forth wow. for about six months, 
And I swear my brains were leaking out of my ears. It was just completely <laughs> confabulating me. So, um, is that a word? Um, so I just I had to I had to pick one or the other. So um, so I, I decided to switch entirely to seven string. And I was playing the Eastman, which is a great guitar, um, but I couldn't find what I wanted for. This is a, a, an archtop jazz guitar, all big hollow body. But I couldn't find a factory-made seven-string solid body or thin hollow body like a 335 or a Strat or that kind of thing uh-huh. that I liked. So I realized I was going to have to go out in the shop and build myself a guitar. So I did over the course of the, a couple of years there. I, I built these two guitars that I use in, in my R&B projects. <laughs> and then finally, after five years... Um, my wife, we jokingly say my wife is the last person on my wait list. <laughs> and actually, she was she was the first other person. I, she was my first client, the first yeah. other person I ever built a guitar for. Uh-huh. So, and she still has it. It's the, the very first dual and acoustic guitar. So um, she wanted a tenor guitar. Uh-huh. And a tenor guitar essentially is a guitar body with a tenor banjo neck. Mm-hmm. So it's a four-string instrument typically tuned in fifths, so it's like a violin tuning, but down an octave. And why, you ask? Well, the way the tenor guitar originally came about was uh, back in the the early big band era, Uh everybody played banjo. Yeah. And then there was a a big change around, I think, the 20s, where all of a sudden everybody wanted a guitar. And so we had all these banjo players... Out of a gig, yeah. And somebody came up with a bright idea. Well, let's just put a banjo neck on a guitar body, and then they can use they'll they'll know the fingerings. They can play it the same way, yeah. And it sounds yeah. like a guitar. So <laughs> that so the tenor guitar was born. <laughs> and there are still a few of those around. Actually, my wife has a, an old Gibson uh-huh. tenor guitar from the, from the forties. Wow. But she wanted one of mine. So um, yeah. So uh, and I uh, I took my sweet time. Let me tell you. <laughs> I feel kind of bad about that, but I, I actually took a solid year to build this guitar. Not because I was working on it all the time, but because I'm gigging and, you know... Yeah, busy this current guitar you're talking yeah, about. The, yeah, the, the, one, the new one yeah, that, I, yeah. that I just finished. But I finally finished it for her, and, <laughs> and, uh, and then I thought, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, people, there might be a few people who would be interested in this, you know, so I, yeah. I finally took decent pictures of it and threw it up on Facebook. I was, I was astonished. I mean, I, I probably got 20 likes in the first five minutes. Right. You know, and by the next day... Oh, you know, 450 likes, you know. Well, Mike Doolin's making guitars again. A hundred shares. Yeah. It's like, I had no idea. I, you know, I, I'm not on Facebook very much. I get yeah. it there every now and then if somebody yeah. sends me a notice. So it was, it was kind of overwhelming. <laughs> well, you're, you know, it, it's a Mike Doolin guitar. <laughs> we haven't seen a new Mike. How long has it been? About five years. Five years, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was the first yeah. acoustic guitar in five years. Wow. Yeah. So uh, so then I had to <laughs> I had to post a, a reply to all of that and say, well, guys, no, I'm not really back making guitars. You know, a, I haven't hung out my shingle again. This is kind of a one-off, but, but thank you very much. It was, it was really sweet. Are you less burned out now? Um, no, I'm pretty much still pretty burned out. Okay. You know, I've right. been uh, right. I've been trying to pluck up my uh, desire to maybe build myself in a, a, a flat top acoustic, yeah. you know, double cutaway. Uh-huh. And, you know, I've kind of picked out the wood and stuff, and, you know, I, I go out to start on, it's like, mm, no, I want to go play some bebop. <laughs> practical. <laughs> so I don't know if that'll happen or not. Huh. So what are you playing on your new album? 
Oh, that's the uh, the new album. That's the the third Duel and Martin album. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's me and uh, David Martin. Yeah. Uh, who unfortunately now lives in Minneapolis and has for oh, that's, the last many years. Uh, yeah, hard to gig. It is. <laughs> it makes it very difficult to to uh, sort of keep the project going. But he um, he was here in I think 2007, all of 2007. Uh-huh. And at that time, we recorded the first one, which is called Reflection. Mm-hmm. And then, well, it was 2007 going into 2008. It's right when the economy tanked. Yes. And he was trying. He was trying to come in out of nowhere knowing nobody but me and trying to make a living as a musician in Portland oh boy so um, you know he was he was starving so he um, he went back to Minneapolis where he has lots of gigs there's actually that's a really nice scene back there yeah um, his his main gig is that he plays bass and salsa bands huh. and so he's really busy doing that huh. and then also you know guitar he does duos with singers like I do so. yeah yeah kind of the Ramsey-Ambic of Minneapolis of, of, of Minnesota huh mm-hmm. <laughs> So um, anyway, so so Dave was here for in he left in the, at the beginning of 2008. We had uh-huh. just put out Reflection, and then you know, and several years went by, probably four years, and we get to talking, and I and I think he actually he came back here for uh, for like a week, and we, we just for fun recorded three tunes, uh-huh. and so they were they were kind of in the can, and then we get to talking, it's like you know we gotta just do another album, and so. Uh, <laughs> So we the second one we called Tough Commute. Uh-huh. That, was, that was the name of one of Dave's tunes, and I said, "Dude, that's that's the album title right there, the Tough Commute from Minneapolis to Portland to record a record." Because that's literally what he did. He packed up his van with all his all his gear, wow. drove out here, stayed with me for two weeks, recorded the record, and he drove it back. Jeez. So, um, so then a couple of years go by, and we had some more tunes, and uh-huh. you know, and I, I should say this is all original music that. Yeah. We don't we don't write together. We write individually, uh-huh. you know. So we just bring in our tunes and then and then play it together. Uh-huh. So um, so we did a third one. It's called Dark Star, and it, uh-huh. it just came out in November. And it's got guitar and bass. Yeah, guitar and bass, and uh, Ward Griffiths on drums on all three of them. Ah. And it's it, we always have maybe one duo tune on yeah. there where it's just Dave and me. But for yeah. the most part, it's more like a band. You know, we record uh-huh. as a trio. Uh-huh. With Ward, and one of us plays bass, the other plays guitar, and then if we want, we overdub. And so there are, I think on on the current one on Dark Star, I think there's three tunes that are trio, mm-hmm. where it's just guitar, bass, and drums, pretty much live. But then on uh, on Tough Commute, there was one tune where we had 28 tracks of Whoa. guitars because it was it was a big band arrangement of one Whoa. of Dave's tunes. And so we played all the trumpets and saxophone parts and trombone parts on guitars <laughs> and overdubbed them. <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. Yeah. So it's it's um, you know it's anything goes really. Yeah. Ward is the best known undiscovered musician in Portland. Ward is so awesome. She is. Yeah, it's wonderful to work with. And it's amazing how many people know her, but don't. don't but I think the general public does not know her. Mm-hmm. Every musician in town knows Ward. Oh yeah. But but yeah, for some reason you know I mean I don't know what it is yeah I yeah I don't know well you know she she has um, her 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 day gig is, yeah. is a bike fitter right and she was a competitive cyclist I understand yeah. up in in yeah. Seattle yeah um, you know ten years ago um, before she came down here and yeah. so um, and and she's still very much into that but uh, I you know I can't say enough about work and and particularly doing this original project. Um, the first two, she just came in and we threw our charts in front of her. Yeah. And, you know, the first or second take is what's on the record. Wow. 
And then finally for this third one, she said, uh, you know, Mike, could you give me just, you know, it's fine for the straight ahead stuff or the straight Latin stuff, but, but you know, some, some of this weird stuff that you guys write, could, could you just do me a quick demo, you know, or get me the chart a week in advance or something? You know, so we took pity on her and gave her a little bit of advance notice. I, I don't, it didn't seem to make that much difference. She was great either way. But yeah, I mean, she can read anything and, and she just, uh, she just always plays the right thing. Wow. So you had a you had a big band charts, yeah. For that so too. So this was this was a tune of Dave's that we had also played as a duo, uh-huh. you know, just two acoustic guitars. But he had written he had expanded it into a big band chart for uh, to sell to schools. Oh yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Had yeah. some success with that. Yeah, huh? There are a few schools around around the country playing this. <laughs> it's called uh, Laughter and Forgetting. Is the name of the song. Yeah. Well. When we're done with this, let's end this with with that tune. How about that? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah good, very good. good. Um, so, uh, uh, and and you you play uh, you, you play acoustic and electric, or just acoustic uh, on the album? Oh, both. Okay. Yeah, we both play. Yeah. We both play acoustic and electric bass, acoustic yeah. and electric guitars. Yeah. Um, Does he play a seven string? No, he doesn't. Ah. No. And has uh, he ever tried it? Did yeah, you, did you? briefly. <laughs> <laughs> like like most guys. <laughs> it's like, you got to be crazy. This makes my head hurt. Because <laughs> it does. <laughs> still? Yeah. Yeah, it still does a little bit. I, every now and then I still get confounded a little bit. Like if I see E, I just want to grab that E chord with a ba- with a you know the low E on the on the bottom. Yeah. It's not a low E on the bottom anymore. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I, I mean, I, I mean... I mean, you you do avoid clams, don't you? <laughs> I do my best. But it's still, you know, now mind you, I played I played six-string guitar for 40 years, right? Before yeah. Before I played seven-string guitar. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, some yeah. of this stuff is pretty ingrained. Yeah. So, it's still, I still in the corner of my mind, when I'm down on the bottom strings anyway, I'm still thinking uh-huh. seven-string, seven-string. It's a low A. It's a low A. It's not an E. <laughs> right? You keep the telling e yourself. the second string now. Wow. Right? Wow. I still have a little voice in the back of my head keeping me on track. Wow, jeez. <laughs> I don't know if that'll ever really fade. <laughs> so I, I was because I wasn't here when this happened. I've, I haven't. I moved here twenty years ago, so I'm not exact. I'm not. I'm still not a, not considered a native. But <laughs> we'll, we'll grandfather you in. I think. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <You're good>. um, <laughs> but uh, I, y- you start. I mean, you helped start Solvax before that, didn't you? It's been, it's been longer yeah, than twenty yeah, it was 95. years. Ninety-five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, that that was uh, Chris Baum, mm-hmm. uh, Drew Baird. Chris uh-huh. Baum and Drew Baird were in uh, Body and Soul, uh-huh. and split off to form Soul Vaccination. Uh-huh. And um, they called me because Tim Bryson recommended me, who mm-hmm. was also in Body and Soul, and is currently in Soul Vaccination. <laughs> It's very incestuous little scene here. <laughs> it's Portland. Yeah, you know, small town. You know, just kind of, yeah, you know, moving the checkerboard. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so yeah, we started up in '95, and Chris stayed with the band for I think six years, mm-hmm. and then he went off to Baltimore with Tony and Tina's wedding. I'm sorry about that, because <laughs> I'm from Baltimore. Oh, are you? yes, <laughs> yes. And and he stayed there. Yeah, actually, he liked it. Jeez. And, and stayed there for uh, for several years. Wow. And so soul vaccination continued on uh, uh-huh. with me for a few years. Uh-huh. And As I, leader, I, I left at about the ten year mark. Wow. Uh-huh. And 
And then at, by that time, Dave Mills had taken over uh-huh. and, and, of course, has run it ever since, although he has just gently stepped down as leader. Are we breaking news here? <laughs> I think this is okay to say because nothing's going to change. Yeah. It's just he's not, he's not running it so much anymore. He wants, huh. he, since he's retired, he wants to be able to do more creative stuff. Yeah. You know, and... Um, you know, get back to his writing because he, he also writes yeah. lots of big band charts for, yeah, uh, yeah. for schools. You know, so yeah. he wants to spend more time doing that. So, uh, so it's pretty much Gary Harris has taken over. Is that at, right? At the helm and, wow. And you know, now I, there's an interesting cat. Oh yeah, Gary's wonderful. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually getting to play play with him in a couple of projects right now. Really? So, so I'm very oh, what else? About that. Uh, the other one is uh, Jim Templeton's band, Cosmic Dust. Oh really? Yeah. It's a, wow. a, a fusion thing that he's he's yeah. had that thing since I think the '80s. Yeah, yeah. And so he's just kind of reviving it now. Hopefully, he's recovered from that club, the, the, the owning a club yeah. experience. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty funny because now he now he's on the other side. He's trying to book, <laughs> yes. you know, and and he's saying, "I don't know anything about this, you know. <laughs> I don't know how to book a book a gig. I don't know any club owners." <laughs> I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs> um, interesting. Um, uh, well, he made a good try with the with 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 that club of his. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. It was really it was really too bad to see it go. And it, it was, yeah, it was such a such a great venue for the jazz scene. It, it was, was yeah, going, it know. was, it was. Um, so, uh, so you were playing soul music before Solvax, right? Or not, were you? Not so much. Not so much. Really? Yeah. Back then. Um, you know, I kind of come out of... Well, yes. I, I actually, I played briefly in Body and Soul, uh-huh. um, which was the, you know, the predecessor of Soul Vaccination. Yeah. And that would have been... Jeez, when was that? About 1990. Uh-huh. 90 or 91. And that was, that was when I was a software engineer. I was, I was a software engineer from 90 to 94, <laughs> beginning of 94. Wow. And... That was that was also a career that I really enjoyed when I was doing it. What stopped it was uh, chronic tendonitis from typing. Wow! It was seventy-hour weeks of typing. Jeez! Wow! So, Why that uh, was even before AOL? Yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. It was. It was right right about as that ended. Well, and and I'll get to that because that was an important thing about about the whole Luthery career. But um, so you know, I was a software engineer right up until January of '94, uh-huh. and at that point. My hands were so bad. I, I really I couldn't pick up a pencil with either hand. Jeez, it, it was horrible. And so, and so during that time, I really didn't play guitar at all, hoping that it would not transfer over. And happily, that's basically what happened. Huh. So uh, by by completely laying off the computer for a couple of years, and a lot of acupuncture, and you know, just got away from it. So uh, so basically, I'm okay now. Although I still have to be careful on the computer specifically. You know, like the mouse. Really. The mouse will get to me. The yeah. Tendons in the back of your hand. Uh huh. So, uh, you know, your body doesn't forget insults like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so I got out of that, and I was briefly a technical writer in for 94, I think, Mm -hmm. um, because I could do that with dictation software. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to physically Mm -hmm. type. I could Mm -hmm. just dictate the the dictation software. Mm -hmm. By that Mm -hmm. time, it had kind of gotten going. But then uh, the company that I was doing that for folded. Mm. They just died out from under me. Mm -hmm. So... My wife at the time, God bless wives, you know. Oh, yeah. And this is a different wife. It's not Nancy, but um, a similarly wonderful woman that I got to spend 20 years with. Yeah. Uh, at the time, she said, you know, 
this software thing really isn't working out for you. Why don't you build guitars? <laughs> yeah. Because I had built, wow. I had built a couple of guitars. Well, mm-hmm. I, I had I had since probably almost high school I had tinkered around with repairs and I had built a few solid bodies and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And I had built my first, my very first prototype acoustic guitar while in that last year as a software engineer because a friend of mine who was also a software engineer at the same company had done so. Huh. It, never, it actually had not occurred to me until I saw, I saw him do it. I said, oh, you mean people make acoustic guitars? I thought like, big factories <laughs> made acoustic guitars. <laughs> so uh, going on his, um, his example, I, uh, I built that first guitar. So, um, so again, you know, my wife encouraged me, and so I um, you know, bought some tools and some wood and started in. And then my, my main mentor in guitar making is Jeff Elliott, who mm-hmm. is... Um, who made uh, Chasman's eight-string guitar, uh-huh. among uh-huh. many others. He gotcha. built for Julian Bream, Leo Kotke, wow. a bunch of guys. Um, really one of the grand old men of Blue 3 around here, mm-hmm. and a wonderful human being, you know, one, of, one of my oldest friends. Um, coincidentally, Nancy, moving here from New York, moved into the house next door to Jeff Elliott. Huh. And she was playing, uh, she and still does, playing uh, traditional Irish music. Uh-huh. She had bought a Gibson Barney Kessel, ah. which is a, a, it's a jazz guitar, a Gibson, you know, hollow body jazz guitar, uh-huh. but a double cutaway, and a very deep double cutaway. So uh-huh. the entire neck is completely accessible. You can go without running into the body. You yeah. don't have to go up over the top. Yeah. So um, so she she bought this guitar, which was really radical for a folk musician, you know, to be playing a cherry sunburst electric guitar. <laughs> yeah, I'll say. <laughs> uh, but, you know, she loved it, and she immediately saw the potential. She, uh, for vocal reasons largely, she would capo on the seventh or ninth fret even. Huh. And from there, she still had a whole octave to work with. Uh-huh. And she, she plays in dadgad tuning, which many Irish musicians do. And dadgad players tend to play more up and down the neck than across it. Mm-hmm. And so you, you need a lot of frets to do that style because uh-huh. they're kind of droning the outside strings and sliding chords up and down uh-huh. through the middle. So on that guitar, she could basically play in any key she wanted and uh-huh. do all the things that she knew how to do. Yeah. So she developed this whole style around that guitar. But the traditional Irish community didn't think so much of this Screaming cherry sunburst electric guitar. You know, they wanted to see an acoustic guitar. Right. Everybody else played. Yeah. So she went to Jeff Elliott and said, "Can you can you build me a double cutaway acoustic guitar?" Uh-huh. And he says, "Well, I could, but I have a seven year wait list right now. <laughs> but I know a guy. Yeah, <laughs> truly, I know a guy who's who's already building double cutaways, and so uh-huh. he introduced me to my future wife. The rest is history." <laughs> That's great. That's great. So I built that first guitar and took it to uh, the Healdsburg Convention, which is a uh, a big Luthery show down in California. Uh-huh. And from that show, they sent a photographer around and took pictures of basically all the weird stuff. And yeah. you know, a double cutaway acoustic is pretty weird. Pretty weird, yeah. Um, so anything unusual looking and did a collage of that on the cover of Acoustic Guitar Magazine. And so I had a postage stamp size picture of the body of that first guitar. <laughs> That that sold five guitars, wow. five orders off of that. Wow. And I had a wait list from there on. Huh. Boom. But part of that, and this is finally I'm getting to the tie-in here, yeah. about the Internet. Yeah. Um, having come from being a software engineer and briefly not only a technical writer but a webmaster uh-huh. for that company, 
I knew I knew how to write a website. I knew how to work the search engines, you know, the the, uh, the tags, you know, yeah. to get uh-huh. high search engine rating, rankings. And I was doing my own photography. <laughs> so I was one of the first handmaker, handmaker luthiers, to have a decent website ah. and to get it up in the in the search engine rate. There rankings. you go. For several years there, if you typed in handmade acoustic guitar, I was on the first page of Google Man. every time. <laughs> 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 so, I mean, so much of it is luck. It's just timing. That's not even right fair. <laughs> no, I know. It, it was an unfair advantage. So, uh, you know, being in the right place at the right time and, yeah. you know, have, have, happening to have the, yeah. the requisite skills. <laughs> so that that's what launched my career. Wow. Jeez. You still make websites? Uh, I do my own website. I'm, yeah. I'm so off the, out of the loop of that. Really? I, I really, I haven't written a line of code since 1994. You know. Whoa. So, <laughs> as you can imagine, things are a little different. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. if you look yeah. at my website now, it's it's pretty primitive. It's pretty simple. But, you know, what does it need to be, really? Exactly. You know, exactly. you just, for, yeah. for purposes of selling guitars, I just needed pretty pictures of guitars yes. and a little text and that's it you know phone number and email yeah. link a little audio you know yeah and yeah. then and then similarly for I've converted duelinguitars.com over to be about me as a player but it's still uh-huh. duelinguitars.com and uh-huh. the luthery stuff is still all up there yeah. you just kind of have to dig for it yeah. But, yeah. but now the home page is a picture of me in my calendar ah yeah yeah, you know, and some some sound links. And all so how stuff. how much gigging are you doing with Solvax? You, are you regular gigs? They're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. Um, they're working um, they're working up one once or twice a month. Not that Jimmy Max is gone. That was yeah, a big, yeah it was. Big and uh, right. and also Vita Bohem. It'll be well. Jimmy Max will be back. Yes, let's hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm I'm pretty confident that they'll get that together because it was you know you can't. You it, because it's going to be the same brand, and, and you know unless they unless they put it you know out on Eighty Second Avenue or something you know, uh, I, I I'm I'm pretty confident that they can do that. Yeah. I mean they even took some of the same fixtures from the old club. Oh, <laughs> yeah, and, and you and took your picture. <laughs> I took my picture, the worst picture anyone's ever taken of me. Now faces the wall on the floor at my home. <laughs> So no one will ever see it again. That was a terrible picture of me. Oh, you vault. Oh, um, <laughs> I loved Brandy Kazakian Rowe, whatever her name was, back then. I did, actually did a story on her because she did some. She, she well, made, those were some fabulous pictures in there too, except for one. Except for yours. Yeah. <laughs> How does that happen? I don't know. <laughs> um, so. How is you know playing you know uh, um, uh, acoustic with singer songwriters or with you know with with other in, in other other configurations with with the acoustic? How does that feel differently from playing in soul vaccination? Yeah, it's, it's very different. Now, yeah. most of the um, most of the duo stuff that I do is not singer songwriters; it's more like jazz standards. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so and and really, you know, I'm an electric guitarist. I do play acoustic. I, I have a few okay. around, but but still, uh, but gigging, I'm playing electric. But yeah. but yeah, still, uh, yeah. backing a singer it is an entirely different kind of guitar playing. Um, I play pretty much exclusively finger style. Yeah. Uh-huh. Whereas with soul vaccination, I'm playing pick style the whole night because it's all yeah. shangalang on the top three strings. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's what you do in an yeah. R&B band. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but with a with a duo, I'm 
I'm walking walking bass lines and comping chords, uh-huh. and uh-huh. you know trying to put the melody on top for the singer and all that. You know, so right. playing more kind of pianistically. Yeah. So uh, so that I've never figured out how to do that with a pick. I, I know guys who do. You know, pick uh-huh. three fingers kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I just never got comfortable with that because I started. Yeah. I really started yeah. playing guitar finger style and playing uh-huh. classical guitar. So yeah, yeah. I still have my nails. <laughs> ah. So um, so it's just it's just more comfortable to. Uh, to just go finger style. Now, the downside of that is that I don't nearly have the speed that I do with a pick. Uh-huh. So, um, so when it comes to when it comes to soloing, things are a little simpler. A little, yeah. You know, yeah. but that's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. it, it actually that that can be a, a thing that uh, a restriction that that makes you more tasteful and uh-huh. you know. But solve actually get to express another side of your personality. Yeah, and there, there I'm rocking out, you know, and, and playing loud too. Those guys play yeah. loud. <laughs> yeah. Did you have? Um, I mean, I know that the band is not is is has ne- never been a cover band. Okay, it's never been a cover band, but certainly their ties to Tower of Power. Uh, I mean, because Bruce Bruce Conti has played with the band and all that, you know. But. Um, uh, uh, so when you when you when you were when you got into it, did you have soul music heroes, and especially guitar players? Well, Bruce Conti. Okay. Yeah. All right. Very high on the list. I, I actually yeah. uh, I actually got to know Bruce a little bit when he was here in town. I took a lesson from him. Did you? Awesome. What did he teach you? Oh, <laughs> uh, you know, I just uh, said so. Um, don't change horses. You know, it's like that. What were you thinking there? What was the? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and he, he showed me some. Just some technique things about the right hand, particularly. He does some some odd things. He uses sort of the back soft edge of the pick. Really? And I always wondered how he got that kind of shaka shaka shaka, that real soft rhythm sound. That's how ah, he does it. That's how he does it. So yeah, uh, yeah very interesting. He's a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I always loved his um, both his rhythm and uh, and soloing. You know, this uh-huh. syncopated thing that he did. Uh-huh. I, uh-huh. You know, I don't I don't want to talk down on anybody, but I, but I don't think anybody they've gotten has ever quite been yeah. what he was, yeah. you know, in that rhythm section, the way yeah. he and, yeah. uh, you know, the drummer and the organ and the, the bass, right. the, the, that all jigsawed together, right. you know, was right. the classic Tower stuff. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But no, t- um, Soul Axe Nation isn't, isn't a Tower of Power tribute band at no. all, you know, they're, no. they're no. a general no. purpose R&B band, they, yeah. they do Earth, Wind & Fire and Stevie Wonder and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And I should hasten to add, too, um, that's and originals. And originals, yeah, and they, yeah, they have three original tunes now that they're, uh, yeah, that they're uh, putting out there. And it's, I play them. I play them on the radio. Yeah, yeah, especially that one that that tribute to Portland soul bands. Yes, I play, I play that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on my show. Yeah, Funky P Town. Yeah, yeah, which is great because you know since everybody moved here in the last five years from California, <laughs> uh, no one, no one has any sense of of. Uh, history of music here pretty much you know mm-hmm. uh and i think that was great to you know to 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 you know, name all the name all the names and the clubs and at there at the end there it's, it's a terrific terrific tune yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a really great tribute to the to the portland scene yeah do you do that live pardon do you do that tune live oh yeah yeah, yeah every night oh absolutely great. yeah they, yeah they, yeah, play, they always good. play the originals which i think is smart good yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. rotate everything else in and out uh-huh uh-huh who calls the tunes uh, they, um, they 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 always have a set list beforehand, and it, yeah. and it changes every night. They they stir mm-hmm. it around, you know. Nice. Um, it was ordinarily it was Dave putting it together, and now yeah. it's Gary. Uh huh. Uh huh. Huh. Interesting. 
Um, well, listen, uh, this has been, I, I, I didn't, I, I've never even thought about a seven string guitar before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this has, this has been fascinating. Uh, to, to well, there's, there's a few of us. There's a few of us in town, and there's yeah. lots around the world. There's a whole Brazilian seven-string thing. Is that right? String. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Shorter music is traditionally huh. on seven-string guitar, and there's also a Russian folk seven-string guitar. Is that, that I don't right? Know anything? About. Wow. <laughs> um, I should hasten to add here, since we've been talking about Soul Vaccination a lot. Not my only R&B project. I'm also playing with Chris Bound Project. Okay. And have been for for many years. Yeah. And that that band has also um, kind of become a uh, part of the time a, a steely dan tribute band really and so we've been doing uh, occasional steely dan oh shows. that gig was that, that just gig yes, just, happened just happened recently yeah. yeah 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 let me tell you that is fun because i mean the guitar parts and steely dan tunes it just doesn't get any better than that uh-huh. <laughs> you know, larry carlton another huge hero of mine yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, so um any any Chris Baum gigs coming up? We, we you know there's soul vaccination gigs everywhere, but yeah, uh, we, yeah. we don't hear quite as much about. I don't uh, about, know that we have one yeah. on the books right now. There, okay. um, we're right. Uh, we're kind of shopping it after after the success of the uh, the recent Steely Dan gig. So you can, oh yeah, yeah I, I can see that. Well, so. Yeah yeah. Well good. So hopefully good good. You can't, can't you can't lose with that. Yeah. And I'm still uh, three nights a month out in uh, Camas at the Burt Street Uptown Lounge with Zendatori. Uh-huh. So I'm still doing that. Uh, still with the Women with Standards, uh-huh. which is uh, two singers and me and sometimes a band. Who so, are the singers? Uh, Laura Griffiths and Lori Boone. Uh-huh. And we, uh, we, play at the, we play at the Portland Airport one or two Mondays a month. Really? Which is kind of fun. And then we also play as a band, so we expand uh-huh. out. We add John Dover on trumpet and uh-huh. you know, uh, drums and bass. Um, and we usually play at Wilf's. We're also trying to get into O'Connor's. Uh-huh. So that's maybe every other month. Uh-huh. One of those. You're playing a lot. I am. Yeah. It's like none of them are doing a huge amount, but it all adds up that I'm busy. Yeah. Which is good. Well, that's what you wanted. Yeah. Absolutely. And you still got to build a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in my copious free time. Well, see, that's why it took me a year to build Nancy's tenor guitar. <laughs> and now, more people are going to want you to build guitars. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do feel kind of guilty because, you know, the, uh, the the promotional engine sort of runs itself, you know, once you start yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, I, it, it was it was difficult to pull the plug, and I don't know if I've completely pulled it. <laughs> <laughs> As you saw, you know, I put up one picture. Yeah, yeah. He's back. He's back. Let's make a, please make me a guitar. Make me a guitar. <laughs> well, good. It's good. nice to be wanted. Because, I, you know, I just had the feeling that the world has missed du- du- dueling guitars. I'm actually doing a guitar show uh-huh. coming up, I think, in July, the LaConnor Guitar Show. It's uh-huh. the first one. Yeah. Uh, LaConnor, Washington, up above Seattle. Um, and at that one, I'm going to be exhibiting some of the guitars in my closet that I don't play anymore. So there will actually be a, a, a few dueling guitars available for sale. First time I ever saw a dueling guitar, I was doing a, I was doing a TV story uh, on John Stoll. Oh, yeah. At your house. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I, had just gotten out, I had just gotten out of the hospital from some real, some real serious surgery, so I could, only, I could just basically just sit there and talk. To, you know. I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was pretty bad. It was, but it was, it was wonderful because... Um, I finally got to ask John Stoll, why does he hold a guitar that way? <laughs> <laughs> now, does, he doesn't play seven string, does he? No. Okay. No. 
No, but John, John is an old and dear friend of mine. We've, I, I took a lesson from him, I think, in about 1978. Really? So I knew him all the way back then. And uh, this is actually the second guitar that I built for him. The first one was really more of a prototype, and he basically uh-huh. pestered me until I sold it to him because <laughs> I really built it for myself. Yeah. And, then, uh, and then watching him play and having gotten a couple of years of Luthery under my belt, yeah. I thought, you know, I can do better than that. You know, so I said, you know, let, let me let me make you something really designed for you, for you know how you hold the guitar, yeah. you know, where your hand position is, and everything. Yeah. So that's that that current guitar. Um, and <laughs> I've also um, had the tremendous honor of actually getting to play with John a bit. Really, we, uh, we occasionally do a house concert as a duo. Uh-huh. So we've, we've done that twice, and I'm sure we'll do it again. So uh, that's that's some fast company. What do you have to do? Uh, How do you play uh, a seven with a six? Oh, it's it's you know it's how do how do you play guitar and bass together? Okay, you know all right. The although John John will be quick to say um, the problem with it is that when when I'm backing him and I'm walking a bass line, it's going all the way down to that low A. And then when I go to take a solo and he's backing me, he says the bass just kind of evaporates. <laughs> <you know? laughs> but, you know, a couple of seconds and you forget that. Because you know, John's a tremendous accompanist and, you know, it sounds yeah. great. But, yeah. but yeah. He, he does mention that, that it's yeah. like all of a sudden, where'd the bass go? <laughs> <laughs> he's special. Very special. Oh, yeah. what, what an he doesn't thing. play around town as much as he used to. Yeah, he's... Um, well, he's kind of a road dog. I mean, he's well. I know that he's frequently out. You yeah, know, he's kind of yeah. orbiting. You know. Yeah, that story I did on him. The last shot was him driving off, <laughs> <laughs> putting his guitar in the in, in in the back of the back of the vehicle and just driving off. <laughs> well, he's he is um, one of one of three real Luthery success stories of mine. You know, where really? I really felt like I built this person the instrument that let him do his thing. Wow. You know, that really made, brought his voice out. Huh. What did you do to, to do that? Well, it's not it's not really that. That particular instrument isn't that different from a regular yeah. guitar, but um, the the main thing is the, the body is much shallower, mm-hmm. so it's a, half the depth of a regular guitar. Mm-hmm. So it's both more comfortable for him to play and less feedback susceptible. Wow. So that was the main thing, and then you know string spacing and everything to his to his taste. He, mm. um, he he does like a narrow neck, and he has relatively small hands actually, and he does those enormous reaches. Yeah. So the um, the neck width and the scale length are, are a little shorter uh-huh. to make that more wow. comfortable. Huh. But he um, you know he says it's his it's his main guitar if he's not playing with with drums and bass. Amazing. Because it, because if there's drums and bass, then it's a little too loud and it starts to feedback, and so uh-huh. he can play it like uh-huh. a guitar. Well, listen, thanks a lot. We're going to play that tune. Yeah. The name of that tune again was? Uh, Laughter and Forgetting, off All of right. our album Tough Commute. All right. Thanks. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. <laughs>